Unless you've made a serious mistake, you are currently listening to a free excerpt of the committee program with me, Arun Chaudhry. Our show contains lots more global politics, and you can become a member at fans.fm slash committee to receive our full YouTube show, audio, plus other exclusive content. That's fans.fm slash committee. And be sure to check out our YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Namiki Konst YouTube channel. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the committee program. I am your host, Arun Chaudhary, and this is our Bastille Day Spectacular. In fact, the third annual Bastille Day Spectacular. And in this segment, we're actually going to get into it in a real way around what Bastille Day means, because we are talking with French historian Mathilde Lorera, uh, who specializes actually in the French Revolution. Thank you so much for being here and for speaking with us. And thank you for invitation. Look, of all the places that I've worked in Europe, in France, politicians are the most likely to invoke the past, even when addressing present issues, and this includes the revolution. Can you tell us a bit about the space the revolution still captures in the French political mind, not the cultural one, the living history of it as used in politics? Yes, effectively, the politicians and the journalists, I mean, all those that intervene in politics, they all have a certain passion for the French revolution. They speak about uh, the French Revolution, but not only. For instance, this year we talked a lot about uh, the Commune. This can be explained by, as you said earlier, when the politicians talk about French Revolution, it's not to have a scientific debate. Indeed, they don't really know a lot about French Revolution. Those what they say about it is absolutely caricatural. So their main goal is not to understand French Revolution. Their main goal is more for them to talk about present things. And this is understandable because the conflict that arose during French Revolution finally continues to oppose the same political forces until today. For the people who were against revolution, they were pushed aside, so there is no need to question their position nowadays in politics. But between the liberals and the Republican Social Democrats, which is a battle of French Revolution, and in, in a way it's uh, the opposition between the famous Girondins and the Montagnards during French Revolution, so this opposition is being replayed currently before there were any, um, so to invoke um, this or this personality of the French revolutions, it permits to, re so I will give you an example, Robespierre. So Robespierre, who is going to be permanently mentioned by the left, which is called in France, the left of the left, what we call now the left of the Socialist Party, because now we consider that the Socialist Party is out of the left. Robespierre is evoked in this political party. And in opposition to that, to that Robespierre in uh, the Liberal Party, Robespierre is the executioner, the bloody psychopath, who is absolutely unbearable. We only think about the guillotine when we speak about Robespierre. In this opposition, what is going on here is not to know about the role of Robespierre during French Revolution, but to know if equality dominates over liberty or the other way around. 
It also allows to argue over the question on social politics in regards to other forms of politics. And another example concerning the storming of the Bastille, we also see the big debate to know if the 14th of July is to celebrate Federation Day or the storming of the Bastille. And of course, the liberal camp, and which is the current government, is saying that the 14th of July is Federation Day. Why would they say that? Because how can we hear the fact that all National Day is also a day of revolution? Especially now, because for some time now, and maybe probably some years now, the government is facing insurrection in the streets. And because the National Day is about the population taking uh, the violence to the streets, there is this will to say, no, no, 14th of July is not the storming of Bastille, but rather the celebration of Federation Day. And on the opposition, so the war around the left is uh, saying that it's the storming of the Bastille. But in reality, it's both of them. And for that reason, the historians, I mean, I can't say that it's only Federation Day or the storming of Bastille, because historically, it is both. But the current debate is not about why this date of 14 July, but rather which political recognition can we have from popular violence. In other words, it's a question about can the population use legitimate violence, and that's the issue at stake. It's a current and not a past issue. Okay, so if I try to sum it up, uh, basically, talking about revolution helps to talk about today because actually politicians in France are barely um, aware of the complexity of the historian issue, of the expertise issue of revolution. That being said, some examples. The figure of Robespierre, which is a famous revolutionary yeah. uh, leader, is uh, systematically um, uh, quoted by the left of the left, the radical left, as an example, and at the same time, on the right-hand side of the chest, of the political chest, he is, um, um, a, yeah, he's a, the, a cutthroat man, uh, the guy who used the, the guillotine. Um, so what is at stake with that character is not if or if not Robespierre is a good man, but if liberty, freedom, is more important than equality. Um, because we have in our national devise uh, liberté, égalité, fraternité and they are all the same on the same level on the head of the city halls but actually there is a stake political issues of how we prioritize liberty regarding equality that is the first example second example, the question of Bastille Day Bastille Day, which is in English Bastille Day but in French 14th of July Actually, uh, there is a debate in France about what is celebrated on 14th of July. Is it the take, the fact that some people in, in 1789 took the Bastille and, um, as during a riot, which was the first uh, oui. spark of the revolution? Or is it the event that happened one year later in 1790, which gathered all the tiers état, um, I don't know how you say that. Well, all the people in a very, uh, yeah, all the, yeah, all the nation 
in a gathering of representatives of all the departments of France in Paris and named the uh, Fed, uh, yeah, Federation Party, let's say. And uh, actually, what is interesting is that our National Day is celebrating both of the events, but there is a political debate of which one is the most important to, um, to push because the right which is in power today cannot um, be consistent in celebrating the uh, 14th of July while it's a riot day, while there are so many riots at the moment, it would be a way to legitimate uh, popular riots and popular violence and this is absolutely impossible for the control freak power of Emmanuel Macron <laughs> so uh, that's why they are trying to pretend that it's only la fête de la fédération while actually it's both and in the popular imaginary and in the international in imaginary it's Bastille Day and do you think that this sort of um The ease with which people do use the kind of nostalgia and rhetoric uh, of the revolution um, has an impact on sort of street level politics in France. Do you see people going to, you know, reaching for those tactics because uh, people use this kind of rhetoric more easily? Je suis pas complètement sûr d'avoir tout compris. C'est comment le, le peuple utilise. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, can you repeat, Aaron? Because, because uh, neither uh, Martin nor I yeah, yeah, yeah. understood uh, the question properly. Because politicians are using, um, you know, or, or because the at least some folks uh, are using the kind of rhetoric of the of the of revolutionary tactics. Do does that sort of does it become easier for the public to sort of uh, justify using those as opposed to maybe other European countries? Do you understand okay. what I mean? Donc la question, Mathilde, c'est est-ce que, selon vous, euh, c'est parce qu'il y a des politiciens qui utilisent la rhétorique révolutionnaire? Are you talking about the left or the right? When or you like talk the yellow vest or, you know, rhetoric? famously in France, demonstrations sort of happen a little faster and maybe even the police get involved a little ah, faster. C'est bon. Je vois ce... Oh, okay, it's okay. I get you now. I understand the question. So it remembers me the egg and the chicken dilemma. So first, what we have to see is the return of the French Revolution in the debate in the contemporary social revolution movement is coming from um, from clearly the movement of the yellow jacket. The yellow jacket um, used abundantly uh, the French Revolution in their rhetoric. For instance, there was a lot of graffiti related to French Revolution. We have also some yellow jackets who were uh, wearing the Phrygian cap that the revolutionists were wearing during the French Revolution. There was also, they were also using the image of the guillotine, the cut-through me mechanism, uh, and of course, uh, they were also using boxes that were made at roundabouts to claim um, about French Revolution images. So the French Revolution was mostly mentioned by the yellow jacket. And this, in this big social movement, the rhetoric of French Revolution was a novelty. In the previous social movements, the French Revolution was nearly not nearly mentioned. 
The fact that it was not mentioned earlier, it can be explained by the fact that the most radical left considers the French Revolution as a Marxism-related movement, but we can, we can discuss this scientifically. So the French Revolution was seen as a bourgeois revolution, so a rich revolution, so it was not a good revolution to mention. So more often, they were mentioning the Commune of Paris or the movement of the 68 or other revolution of the 20th century. So French Revolution, for a long time, has not been mentioned in the social movements. We have to go back to the Popular Front that um, used it during um, the movement. And so here, the novelty about the yellow jacket is that they were uh, um, using it. And this can be explained by the fact that the French Revolution is the most well-known revolution uh, known by the popular class. Because indeed, it has been talked in school, which is not the case for other uh, revolutionary movements. And also because it's an element of the popular culture influence. With, for instance, movies, musical comedies, so it kind of implicates the imaginary. When the Yellow Jacket mentioned the French Revolution in their movement by using graffitis or some other similar symbols, they are not trying to repeat the French Revolution, but it's the way to say that we have the people's sovereignty, hence we have the possibility to use it in a legitimate manner, the political violence. Because the revolution has questioned the monopoly of legitimate violence by the state, and it sets the possibility for the population to have the right to be violent legitimately. So what really was important, it's not the fact that the politicians talk about French Revolution, but what really changed uh, the vision of French Revolution is the fact that Macron reactivated a monarchist memory. In fact, Macron, by, for instance, reinvesting in Versailles, going there more, uh, way more often than the other presidents, by saying it's interviews from there, that France lakes of a king by saying that France did not did not recover from killing the king, it gave the impression um, that the power was not no longer presidential, presidential but more monarchist. So basically, this position of Macron generated in the movement of the Yellow Jacket a similar reaction towards French Revolution, which it which is exactly what put an end to the monarchist power. So it's more the monarchist use and the practice of the factual monarchist. It's not the exact term, uh, the appropriate term, but at least in the etymological sense. So it's this power and these practices of Macron that pushed the social movement of the Yellow Jacket to finally activate the past uh, revolutionary memory. Okay, it's it's gold. Uh, ready. So um, basically, uh, the fight to talk about revolution is very clear in the recent years with the Yellow Vest movement, uh, which has talked and quoted and made graffitis and images of the revolution as uh, symbols of their own, with the revolutionary hat of the revolutioners, with cool, the yeah. guillotine in the in cotton box. And this is very new, because actually, um, until then, in social movements in France, the French Revolution is... Uh, uh, 
uh, rarely quoted as a reference because for the radical left, it's considered as a bourgeois revolution. And for that reason, when we pretend to make the revolution in France, we talk more about May 68 or Castrist revolutions mm -hmm. or Maoist revolutions. And um, to have some quotations of the French Revolution in the past, we have to go back to the 1930s with the Popular Front. Um, why the Yellow Vest Movement has been so uh, rev uh, eager to talk about the French Revolution? A few elements. First, it's, it's the most well-known revolution in France because we have more. We have five republics, but we have several revolutions too, and um, the French Revolution is the only one which is. Um, in the education program of each and everyone since uh, the young age. The second element is that there is a popular culture imaginary of the French Revolution with movies, with musicals, with songs. For these reasons, when um, it was easy for Yellow Vest to appropriate themselves the French Revolution message. But also, it was to show the legitimacy of their fight, of their uh, struggle, uh, because uh, actually it's about the legitimacy of violence and the French Revolution in the moment where uh, the people of France refused the monopoly of violence, legitimate violence to the only state, but retook it. And last, what played also is not because some people on the left talk about the revolution, it's because some people at the power behave like kings. And Macron has very intensely reactivated the memory of the king and the monarchy because he has been allowed to Versailles. He is in the Fifth Republic, the president who has been so uh, often, the most uh, frequently to Versailles, which is the palace of um, King, uh, King Sun, Sun King. Sun King. Yeah, yeah, Here yeah. We are. Uh, he has pretended that a king was missing for French people who had not um, made the courtesies of the death of the king. And all these elements make that Emmanuel Macron behave on some parts as king. And for that reason, the Yellow Vest behave as a, peop a revolutionary people. Is this deliberate on Macron's part? Do you think is there some, is there some base he's trying to appeal with this quasi-monarchical uh, stance? I will tend to say, I mean, I will tend to say it's so repetitive. I mean, he's aware enough of the history of the risk of this instrumentalization of the poor, that it's voluntary. But it's nevertheless really surprising. It's true that it's, I, I mean, I admit that that I was completely mind-blowing by this use of the past. In this famous interview of uh, the Ops, uh, French newspapers, when he when he says that France never recover from losing a king, it was really, really surprising. So, yes, it was voluntary. Then, the strategy behind, I'm not able to understand it. Because this kind of strategy can only trigger perverse effects. We are more in the personalization of the power with the Jupiter nickname. In all cases, the Fifth Republic is a presidential republic that reinforced itself during the, the years. So we are definitely in the personalization of power, and he was not obligated to reactivate the monarchist memory. Indeed, he could stay in this personalization of power without the monarchist memory, 
But in all cases, this monarchist memory has been reactivated against him with all the people who make comparison with um, Brigitte Macron to Marie Antoinette and uh, all the caricaturists who drew his head on the head of uh, Louis XVI by making photo montage. But it was also the case for, for other presidents too. It is um, a sense of uh, the power of the Fifth Republic because it has monarchist uh, roots. But Macron did more than the other presidents. So, um, I did say that um, Macron does do that so explicitly and so frequently that it's hard to imagine that it's not a conscious behavior of him, of his. Uh, and also because uh, Macron is not uh, an uh, undercultured uh, person, he is pretty aware of history of France, and he is aware of the risk of such an instrumentalization of the past. And at the same time, it's quite uh, hard to understand um, why he does that, because there are so uh, many negative elements when you pretend to be a king yeah, facing agree. revolutionary um, people. So it's hard to understand. But it's also contributing to, I mean, it's also because the Fifth Republic, which we are uh, in right now, is a very um, personalized power a way of uh, leading the country. And uh, so it's kind of consubstantial with uh, the, the regime itself. And then uh, I know we have limited time, but my last question is also kind of a big one, which is um, in her book, The Abolition of Political Parties, uh, Simone Well suggests that the French Revolution marks a turning point of politics becoming professional and that once this happens, something is lost in order to sort of, you know, for a party to exist, collect dues, this kind of thing. It's something that I think about in relationship to the Democratic Party in the USA a lot you know, political parties as sort of businesses. Um, do you similarly see there being a sort of binary point that is the French Revolution in, in which the professionalization uh, of politics really accelerates? So, as much as I find that the... the yes, he said in the suit. So as much as the criticism that Simone Weil makes in his notes, in her notes on the suppression of the parties in the 20s are in part largely justified as much as his analysis of the, but not as much as his analysis of the matricial rule of the French Revolution. Um, regarding this, I disagree with her analysis. For me, there is not at all a professionalization of the political life during the French Revolution. Indeed, there is no political parties under the, during the French Revolution. There is uh, clubs who are space uh, to discuss, where there are spaces uh, to diffuse, to spread ideas. In the different assemblies, we have like, some groups who are coming together. As we said earlier, we could refer to the Girondins or the Montagnards, but they are not at all political parties, neither in the modern sense nor in the sense that uh, political parties took um, in the Anglo-Saxon space, whether in England or in the United States. 
and influence is very late compared to the Anglo-Saxon world in the birth of political parties, precisely because it doesn't want to to create political parties by uh, failing in the influence uh, is a flight of um, intermediary bodies, uh, which is more of a legacy of the French Revolution. And there are also flight of the democratization that political parties have allowed. Because indeed, uh, even if we can criticize all political parties, we can also say that it, it allowed a democratization of uh, political life. Why France for a long time? Because there was no parties. The political life was, it remained in the hands of um, notables, so rich um, people, who were the only one able to fund uh, political campaigns. And so uh, they were able to be official candidate and then be official politicians, also because there was no um, salaries for the politicians. So under French Revolution, there was no political parties. The famous um, Girondin and Montaigneurs, when we look in detail, there is a small group who vote al always in the same way, but otherwise they were not voting together. So it's really not structured as a political party. There was no official uh, structure, there was no uh, rules and, um, by being part of a group. There is also no money at stake, there is no official role to place, so we will have to wait. We will have to wait 1901 in France, so almost 100 years after the French Revolution, to allow the right of association, allowing for the distribution of goods and services in the society. And this will give birth to really political parties in France. And we consider in France that the first um, modern political party is the Radical Socialist Party, who born just after the 1901 rule, Freedom of Association, which was also called the French section of the International Labour Organization, who born in 1905. But before, there was no political party in France. There was only groups of people um, who wanted to go to excess power. There were also pleasure groups. There were also uh, journals, newspapers, who were supporting some uh, political ideas. So there was some political forces, but there was no official political parties in the modern sense of political party. So according to me, the French Revolution has not uh, played uh, a role in the creation of political parties in France. Okay, so um, Simon, what Simone Weil says in her note about abolition of parties uh, in terms of critiques are very legitimate in the context of the 20s. But uh, according to Martin Larere, uh, her analyse, uh, so Simone Weil's analysis of the role of the French Revolution um, to the constitution of parties is uh, not right because we cannot legitimately say that there is a professional, uh, well, it's getting professional political life under the French Republic because actually there has no political parties before the 20th century. 
So during one, mm. more than one century, there are no real political parties. There are some clubs, some groups of ideas, but it's more circumstantial. And France is really beyond, um, behind um, uh, the Anglo, uh, Anglo-Saxon world um, about political parties because uh, there was a fear of the emergence of political parties that are a way to then lead to a democratization of the political life, while otherwise it's more in the hands of notables. Yeah, notables. And that's why it's just after 1901 that in France, after the law of 1901, that uh, political parties are um, authorized and become legal. And from then, there has been the emergence of political parties and strong ones. But before that, there was just groups of pressure, some newspapers, some aggregated forces, but not the logic of parties with the logic of votes, with the logic of money. Uh, and then the final thing I'd like to ask you, and again, thank you so much for being with us, uh, is what, what else does the world, look, the world celebrates uh, the French Revolution in such an odd way, you know, a very fetishistic way. Uh, what is it that you think that the you know, huge generalization, but what does the world get wrong when we look at it from outside France and we, and we think about this event obsessively the way that people do? Je veux bien que tu m'aides, Clément. Ok, donc la question d'Aaron, c'est, euh, lui, il a la perception qu'à l'international, les gens, quand ils parlent de la Révolution française et du Bastille Day, ils sont très fétichistes euh, et du coup, euh, et qui sont sur un truc où ils ont un objet, mais ils l'utilisent euh, un peu comme un gimmick sans forcément l'avoir compris. D'après vous, euh, qu'est-ce que les étrangers, le monde international, ne comprend pas quand ils parlent de la Révolution française Oh, well, a lot of things. Um... But I think not only the foreign world doesn't understand French Revolution, a huge majority of French people uh, doesn't understand it also, because it's a really complex event that happened. First, I think the error, we, the mistake we, we do is to not see the profound um, complexity behind this event, and especially the difference between its two liberal phases, which is first in uh, 1989 and 1993. So first there was directly an internal phases, which is democratic and social, that we tend to never see as a social and republic moment. But we tend to see it more under the spectrum of the guillotine to remember of Robespierre's executioner, etc. So when we ask to French people what is 93 for them, they will tell you guillotine or Robespierre or it's awful. But when we ask them if they heard about, when we ask them, they, they don't know the maximum. When we ask uh, when was uh, slavery abolished, they don't. They think it's 1989, but it's not 89. It's 94. And uh, this whole target is the liberal discourse, and we still find it today. And here we come back to the first question: What is at stake when we speak about uh, French Revolution? And what is at stake is the current conflicts of the present days. And what is left from liberalism and from social republic nowadays? And this part is really not known by the people. 
And the popular dimension of the French Revolution is also misunderstood. Indeed, it's only remembered as the violence without asking what was behind and also what it triggered. What does it mean to have the people participating in this revolution to start to speak about the popular sovereignty? They also start to think about the different modes of political uh, power and also how to institutionalize this participation of popular uh, political uh, participation. In all, in all situations, it's a very complicated historical fact that with the fact that it's misunderstood and mis misexplained, it only can be caricatural and thus instrumentalized by the political forces and by the population. And thus it participates to the fact that it's misunderstood and misused. Indeed, we always associate the revolution with violence. While we speak about um, colonization, it's not the first association we make. While colonization has been as violent as the French Revolution. But the reading was, which was made of these events was a liberal uh, reading of the, these historical facts. And it is this reading that has become part of the national um, historical novel of the society, of the French society. In fact, what we find back in school or in the, um, in the media, it's revolution equal guillotine and short head, shortcut head. But in reality, it's way more complicated. The violence is elsewhere, and we always have to we always have to disconflict this association of ideas because it triggers the fact that we don't speak about violence in other historical facts, in other historical moments, for instance, during colonization. But there is plenty of work that demonstrates the English way, which is supposed to be more soft and in the political um, revolution momentum, and also to say that uh, there was no violence uh, told to the Irish people who have been suffering from it. But more especially to never speak about this period of 93-94. That is, yes, a moment of political violence, but it's not, it's not a forget it, but it's also a momentum of socialist republic and a democratic momentum. Momentum that France will recognize only uh, for a few months in um, 48, in 1848, and will know only 72 days in 1871. And finally, we will have to wait until the end of the 19th centuries uh, with the Popular Front and the following of the Second World War to have again um, Republic in France that is uh, social and democratic. And this is really, really unknown from a lot of people. In a, in a violence perspective, with Robespierre, the guillotine, and head cut. Um, the fact that, and it's, it's questionable, because, for example, um, this time of the revolution, so the second phase, brought very important social progress as the abolition of slavery, is from 1794 and not from 1789. And this is uh, highly exactly. um, unknown. And the fact that this second moment, this second phase, which is uh, framed as a violent one uh, of the revolution, is criticized is because of the leadership of the hegemony 
of the liberal uh, speech. When we say liberal, is basically barely, uh, basically the right I know uh, in France, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and it's all. It comes back to the first question about what is important: is it freedom or is it equality? Liberalism facing social issues. Um, the popular dimension also of the revolution is very unknown. And we associate usually the people with the violence, while actually it's about sovereignty, popular sovereignty, expression of the people, and way of uh, governments which emerged at the time. And in a way to explain how it's, it's kind of a very uh, way too simple to associate the revolution with only violence. When we talk about colonization, the first association is not violence, while it's a highly violent uh, phase of the human history. So it's... it's um, this is an example of the fact that history, in the way we talk about it right now, is more a national novel than a history book. Um, and uh, what else? Yeah, uh, basically, yeah, last point. The second phase of revolution was indeed very violent, but in its democratic and social aspects, it's a very um, a strong time of France and uh, this uh, level of democracy and social progress uh, wa would not be reached before an 1871 and after World War II for most of the progress we know. I think you lay it out incredibly clearly uh, and I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for coming on, Mathilde Loreira uh, and Clement Perrault, our friend. Thank you so much for helping us get through this uh, and we'll see you both soon, I hope. I hope to. La imagen por la cual vale la pena arriesgar la vida, sacrificarse hasta la muerte en los campos de batalla de todos los continentes del mundo. Committee, committato, committed, committato, corrupt, committee, we young, we. Submitting, we're committing.